0: It depended on the kindness of strangers. All right, so he's not a
1: regular rat, or, or even a super rat. He's just a scared little mouse, that's all. Huh. I've had two years to grow claws, mother. Jungle rain! Hello, and welcome to The Real Woman, a podcast about all things cinematic. I am your host, Emmanuel Perryman. My guest today is unique for a few reasons. To begin with, she's my mother. So this will be a very interesting conversation because she will be talking about things that I've actually not heard stories about before. She's also unique because during the Vietnam War, she spent two years traveling as a journalist through Southeast Asia. Mother, welcome. Hi, and thank you, Emmy. So the movie we're going to be discussing today is from 1984, and it's called The Killing Fields. And it uh, deals with journalists, which is a topic you know about. So before we, we jump into the movie, just give us a little background of, of who you are, how you got into journalism, and how, what, how that led you to Southeast Asia.
0: OK, well, you know, I was a small-town girl in Michigan who always had a yen to travel. It, I think it, it helped me make my decision to become a journalist. Uh, my first job was in Michigan, actually, at the Lansing State Journal. And then I went to United Press International in Atlanta in the 60s during the Civil Rights Movement. And I really wanted to be a foreign correspondent. And at that time, there was a, kind of some—I would say—discrimination against women in those jobs. They said, "Oh yeah, you'd have to work here for at least ten years before anyone would even consider you to be a foreign to to work in a foreign bureau." And um, the fact that you're a woman would make it much harder. So I went to New York and set out to be a freelance writer. I found an inexpensive apartment. <laughs> um in the in the West village, and i decided by by then it was like nineteen seventy the vietnam war was had been had really been growing for a, a few years, and there were a lot of protests against the war a lot of things had happened i mean it was the end of the sixties um, um, so in in the end of nineteen seventy I decided to go to Asia um, so I I had I had I had a little money and my dad gave me a little money and I bought a ticket to Tokyo and I worked there for several months I went down to Okinawa I went from there to Hong Kong and I discovered a way to make money selling my little stories I told stories about things that were just seemed surprising and weird to me that nobody you know, just my slant on things. And I found the San Francisco Chronicle Foreign Service was wonderful. They not only printed my stories and liked them, but they would send me the clipping and the, um, and a check. They were small checks. I mean, like I'm talking about like 50 bucks a a story. They were small checks, but I could live frugally. And if i got two San Francisco Chronicle stories a month, that could actually keep me going, plus the other things that I sold to United Features Syndicate. So I was writing newspaper stories. Um, so at some point, I was in Indonesia, and I decided to sort of a question of was I going to go south to, to Australia or go north up to where the action was, and I thought, I want to go north to where the action is. So I went up through Malaysia and Singapore into Thailand. Um, and I I got a flight from Bangkok to Phnom Penh. And that flight, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember what happened. But the plane did not land in Phnom Penh. They flew us to Saigon. It was my first time in Saigon. And uh, <clears throat> I was with somebody on a flight who was working for the New York Times. And we had dinner. Um, that evening, the Gloria Emerson was the Times uh, 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 reporter then, and she took me out to dinner, I think with her bureau manager and there may have been someone else, and uh, we talked about what was going on there. And I said I was on my way to Cambodia. and uh, Gloria said uh, that she referred me to a guy, Dennis Cameron. Um, who was a photographer in Vietnam and Dennis Cameron, as it happened, was a good friend of Al Rockoff, who was the the photographer, was played by John Malkovich in that film. Um, so I got, I I went, I finally got to Phnom Penh, um, and and so for the next year, I. So spent, what year is this now that you're in? Okay, Phnom Penh. 1971. Okay, 1971 in. From 1971 until June of 1972, I tra- I was in um, I I kind of made a circle. I came up from Indonesia, and my the, I would with Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand. If I got any checks, I had to go to Bangkok to cash the checks because I couldn't. That was the only banking service that I could get that would take a, a, an American check and and give me you. People, everybody went to Bangkok. They call it "We're Going for U.S. Green," and you would go to Bangkok to get your checks cash. So I would uh, make the circle, and and uh, and so I was in Cambodia off and on for a year. But this was about two years before the events depicted in the Killing Fields happened. So
1: before we uh,
0: dive in, do a
1: deep dive in the film. I'm just going to give a little. Uh, pop culture reference uh, in terms of when this movie comes out. So The Killing Fields was directed by a British director named Roland Joffé, and it came out in 1984, which was a very sort of interesting year for film. A lot of franchises began. You have Police Academy, Beverly Hills Cop, Terminator, movies like 16 Candles and Splash, So, there were a lot lighter fare. Uh, You also had A Soldier Story and Amadeus. So, this was quite a varied year for film. Um, The actors in the movie were relatively new. The director had wanted actors who were still pretty much fresh faces. uh, And so, he cast as the lead. Sam Waterston, and he played Sidney Shanberg, who we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, and Sidney Shanberg actually wrote the book, The Death and Life of Dith Pran, who uh, that the, the movie is based on. He also uh, cast a then relatively unknown, John Malkovich. He had just done Places in the Heart, but this was like his third movie. And he played photographer Al Rockoff. He also uh, cast an unknown, Julian Sands, who would then go on to do A Room with a View the following year. And he cast a Cambodian man named Hang S. Noor. Noor was not an actor. He was actually discovered uh, in Los Angeles by the casting director at a Cambodian wedding. And he initially did not want to do the film but after several interviews that he had with the director, he felt better about it, and he decided to do it. He himself had also actually uh, experienced many of the experiences that, that the character he was portraying had, uh, Dith Pran. Hengis nor had himself been um, kidnapped by the Khmer Rouge, and like the character he played, he pretended to be simple-minded, and uneducated. He eventually escaped, and uh, by 1980 was in the U.S. So that's sort of a little bit of the background of where this movie came from and how it came to be. Uh, You also have, in smaller parts, um, you know, it's one of those movies where you see people uh, and you go, oh, I recognize him, Uh, You have Craig T. Nelson in this movie. You have Spaulding Gray. You even have Ethel Fugard, who's the famous South African playwright. So this was really a uh, a who's who of both non-actors, but also actors who were in the beginning of their careers. Uh, This was also the first movie from this director. So this was... uh, really an unusual film in many ways, and it went on to be nominated for eight Academy Awards, uh, including Best Picture, and uh, which I believe it lost to Amadeus. The awards that it won were for cinematography, which if you haven't seen the film, I strongly urge you to. The cinematography is fabulous. Cinematography, film editing, and it won a Best Supporting uh, Actor Oscar for hang us nor uh at that point when he won he was i believe only the second asian person to win an award he was the first asian person to win a best supporting oscar and he was possibly i think the only only the second person to win an oscar who had not been an actor the first uh had been a man from uh who had been in the best years of our lives who won a Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Acting Oscar. So that's sort of where we are um, culturally. Now, the film itself takes place in Cambodia between the years of 1973 and 1976, thereabouts. So uh, can you give us a little historical context for this film, uh, what was going on in Cambodia, and why uh, Why is this period so important?
0: Um, first, first, let me just say that to give you a geographical picture, we're talking about an area of the world called Indochina. Um, up until the 1950s, it was called French Indochina. The French had colonized Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. They sit under China. Uh, and to the west is Thailand. Um, the, you know, all the, in terms of the three countries, uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos, um, Vietnam is, Vietnam is, top dog here you know it really is the Vietnamese people are very are very enterprising the the country is divided in in north and south the north has has uh, a communist Ho Chi Minh uh, was a communist and the south was hanging on with basically uh, you know corrupt administration that we were backing. And so we jumped into a civil war. We jumped into a civil war. It was an unpopular war. The, the thinking was if, um, Vietnam, uh, falls, then the rest of Asia. And so it was a big red scare thing that it was, they called it the domino, it was a domino theory. So, um, to the uh, the reason I'm explaining the geography is is that Laos and Cambodia ran next were uh, west of Vietnam, and the Ho Chi Minh Trail was the supply line from north to south Vietnam, and it ran through Laos and it ran through Cambodia, and so Laos and Cambodia were bombed like mad um, during the Vietnam War, bombing trying to hit that 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 trail well when they hit the trail the trail moved a little bit it did not stop the flow of 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 um of, of material and personnel coming down from the north um in seven earlier in 1970 and now by this time the americans were getting were war weary the vietnam war was unpopular and and uh so now it's into well into 70 nixon Lyndon Johnson was basically um, uh, didn't run for president again because of the unpopularity of the Vietnam War. Nixon took over. He was he was trying to get some peace talks going, um, but in in the spring of 1970, I think it was April 1970, um, they did this Vietnam uh, the the Americans in Vietnam. W- 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 rolled into Cambodia and took the war to Cambodia, and at that point, the North Vietnamese took the whole part of northern Cambodia, the area of Angkor Wat, you know, the famous uh, mm-hmm. uh, archaeological uh, area. Um, so, so now a big stretch of um, of Cambodia was was had in the north had been taken by the North Vietnamese, and the Cambodians. Um, were like an agrarian people. They were they were subsistence farmers for the most part. The the Mekong uh, Delta area could give them the rice and the the vegetables and the fruit that they needed, and and they wanted to be neutral while this war is. In Vietnam. The Cambodians were trying to be neutral. They had a prince there, it was a kingdom, Prince Sihanouk. He wanted to be neutral, and we were a neutral country. The Laotians tried to be neutral, but they could not be neutral in that in that situation. And so, so when the when the American troops went into Cambodia, um, first they had done a lot of secret bombing. That was a whole other scandal of that war. But when the American troops went in, the Cambodians had the idea that the that the Americans would take care of them, that the Americans cared. Well, the Americans didn't care anything about the Cambodians. They disturbed that country, and and the chaos that be, that began was really a result of of the Cambodians just a, a geographic situation. They- um, the the Cambodians um, were an innocent people that basically got bombed to oblivion by u.s. planes and there was a there was panic and there was very high-handedness of american representatives in in phnom penh that you could see through the that was characterized in that in that film um but this eventually you hadn't said the word kidnapping it wasn't really kidnapping the um the american the americans had 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 Done this incursion into Cambodia, and they had sort of armed this small Cambodian army. They came in and said, "Okay, the war is over. We have won." Paul Pot got took over, and Paul Pot was a communist. He was a, from the Khmer Rouge. That's the and he basically said, um, "Everybody has to leave Phnom Penh. We have to put everybody out into the country," and so. And so basically, it was a like a mass, a mass evacuation of all the the millions of people who were in, who were in and around Phnom Penh. And you had mentioned that Hang Noor was a was himself a doctor who pretended to anybody who could speak French, anybody who had an education was was killed. That was they were perceived as as part of the 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 colonial the american war they were perceived as all part of that and so the educated people if you were a teacher the your chance of surviving that mass evacuation they were taken out to the countryside to work in the fields they were starved they they and there was torture it was it was really um three years of uh, of a terrible genocide of the Cambodian people.
1: And actually, that was one of the reasons that the director, uh, he got a little bit of flack for casting uh, Hang S. Noor um, because he wasn't an actor. And his justification was, hey, he survived the Khmer Rouge. He's got to be a good actor. Yes. because yes, he was a doctor yes. an obstetrician you're right and and he um in fact his wife actually died in childbirth because even though he was with her he couldn't he couldn't be the obstetrician that he was he had to pretend he didn't know what to do uh, so that was one of jaffe's um you know justifications was. He had survived, and so he had to be a good actor to pretend that he was not as educated as
0: he was. And, and you know, in my opinion, the movie really um, improves and it touches me personally when when it leaves Sidney Schamburg and Pran starts his this journey as part of this. This mass of people who are evacuated and his then long struggle to survive everything that he endured um, of near starvation, torture, and all of that. The, um, the I I saw in uh, I think it was Roger. I read Roger Ebert's uh, review and it was interesting. He said that this film um, broke a kind of a Hollywood standard for making this kind of film that. In the Hollywood, in the Hollywood story, Sidney Schamburg should have come back and rescued him, but Sidney Schamburg went, came back to New York and sat in the office and wrote letters, and that was that was all he really could do, and it it switched from the it, kind of right in the middle of the picture from Sidney Schamburg's point of view, as the journalist who was trying to tell a story and was trying to report what was going on. Uh, and eventually, with all the other journalists, took refuge in the in the French embassy, um, and and then the second half, which is Dith Pran's struggle um, to survive, and it seemed now, to me. Now, did
1: you you didn't know Sidney Schamburg, but you knew of him, right?
0: Oh yeah. Well, he got there a little bit later. He had he had he was I think he had been in Bangkok. He might have been the Bangkok. I, I, um, <laughs> Gloria, I just remember having dinner with Gloria Emerson, and she made some dissing remark about Sidney Schamburg that he was kind of wild and crazy guy. And I think that he certainly was an obsessed journalist, and that the obsession I think was an important part of, of 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 what he was what he was trying to do in his obsession to uh, over Dith Prawn and trying to save his family and and successfully did. Get his family out. And but, you said, um, and you said you had met, you knew
1: what, Cameron. What was his name? Well, Dennis, Dennis Cameron, who actually had, has a cameo in the movie. Or not, not the person, but there is someone who plays there, him.
0: There's, yeah, there's a reference to. Um, he was a had been a Vietnam photographer, and a lot of the people, the Cambodians, I have to say, are some of the loveliest people you'll ever want to meet in the world. They're just, they're just. Beautiful people, uh, and that they got sucked into all of this um, by an accident of their geography. It was just a—it's—it was it's, 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 it's a crime against humanity. Um, but Dennis had settled in Phnom Penh, and that's and Gloria had told me to look up Dennis, and Dennis and Rockoff were friends, and Dennis stayed. You know, you could jump on a plane and get to anywhere in 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 that area, but Dennis had decided he liked. He liked the Cambodians, and he stayed in he stayed in uh, in Phnom Penh. By the way, I just to mention um, a lot of these people I've mentioned have passed away. Sydney is, has passed away. Um, so has Dith Pran, Dennis Cameron, Gloria Emerson. You know, the, the world of the journalist was kind of a small world. There was a hotel that under the French it was called actually the hotel you see in that film. That was called the Le Royal. But then after the French left, they changed the name to Le Phnom Penh. and I stayed in that hotel. All the journal it was just about the practically the only hotel in in uh, Phnom Penh. and there were. <laughs> I, this was one of my discoveries of how I how I could survive as a journalist doing these freelance newspaper stories, is every hotel had like nice air-conditioned rooms where the CBS and the and the, the New York Times and Washington Post journalists could stay. But they also had small rooms that had a bathroom down the hall and a little sink in the room that were the old, like, European-style hotels. And that's where I would stay and was just fine, but they were, they were very inexpensive accommodations, and I was able to, you know, take advantage of that. Now, um, getting back to... How the the first part of the film with um, that tells the story of Shanburn trying to report the story and getting from here to there and 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 war and explosions and all of that and introducing Rockoff. That was um, I, a review by Sidney Canby. I thought was Vincent Canby was I thought was good. He had he had said um, it was diffuse and wandering. And I, I thought about that. It was really right. It's why the, the Diff Pran story made so much sense and was so beautifully told um, of, of his personal struggle. I think that the director just tried to, tried to put too much into, into that first part. It, it, you, you, you got a little mixed up as to what the heck was going on. Did you feel that
1: when you watched it? Well, yes, I've seen it a number of times, and so I don't feel that now because I've seen it so many times. I can follow it, but definitely the first couple times I saw it, you know, particularly for a Westerner who is not familiar with the geography and is not really familiar with that area of the world, I didn't really, you know, one country looks the same same as the next to me.
0: I know did they're you, not, um, but I don't, you know. And, and, and I have to say, it, I agree with you, it was, beautifully, it was beautifully photographed, and they really did evoke that part of the world. It was shot in Thailand. But uh, did, you, did you know that, that Rockoff took great exception to how he was portrayed in that film?
1: Yes, and on the one hand, I actually really liked John Malkovich in this role.
0: He was wonderful.
1: I did, too. You can see why he becomes John Malkovich. You know, I mean, he really oh, yeah. he is really he,
0: good. But but also he he fit my sense of. I mean, he he portrayed the the freelance photographer. He had been a, you know he had been an army photographer before he went freelance, and and I don't think he was with the AP. He sold a lot to the wire services, but he had been an, a military photographer, and he had a lot of access. And he was a wild and crazy guy, and that was. That's how that's my sense of of the photographers who who were in Vietnam uh, they yes, it took bravery, it was courage to to be to to be a war correspondent, but it took even more to be a war photographer <laughs> um, and uh, they and and I think that John Malkovich portrayed Rockoff well, the part that Rockoff was unhappy about was that whole thing. Of the making the French passport for Dith British passport, the, the British passport for Dith Pran to try to get him out, and that and that he didn't have a picture, and he tried to develop this picture, and I assumed he was trying to do it in the, there in the French embassy, and all of that was going on. That was not necessary. There was so much emotion and drama, and that was happening in, in at that time. They didn't, and I thought later, why did he do that? Why did he choose to? Because it was a mostly um, a, a mostly accurate representation of what happened, uh, based on uh, Sid Chanberg's book. Why did they do that? And I thought it was because of Malkovich. Because Malkovich, he wanted to to he wanted more screen time for Malkovich. Um, because or- Malkovich. Malkovich was just—he was—he was fantastic, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, he, he was. I he wonder was, though. Yeah. The, the The fact
1: is, we don't know how what happened. The rea- in, in in actuality, we don't know why he wasn't able to get out, um, or what stopped him. But well, I mean, it, yes. we know it wasn't. In other the, words,
0: what we, you're saying? Why did Pran? Why the? Why the the, the passport failed? that yeah
1: we don't know why the passport failed and so he may have just made an artistic choice to say we can't we can't have a movie that doesn't have a reason why and so let's yeah. just put something in to that is you know maybe a possibility i mean i don't know but i my guess is that he didn't want there to be a loose end as to why the passport didn't work yeah.
0: I think it was not necessary. I agree. Because the fact was, the fact was, Dip Pran was connected to an American journalist, to an to a to a to a New York newspaper. That was enough reason to 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 say you've got a you've got to, you're going to be evacuated. And he was clearly Cambodian. I know that Sidney Shamberg felt a lot of guilt over Pran's disappearance, but I think that. I think Pran made that decision himself. Uh it was important to him that he get his wife and kids out and Sydney was able to to help him do that. But I think that well nobody knew how bad that was going to be. I mean, who could have imagined? It was they came in first and said the war is over. Now we have to clean all of this uh this 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 uh you know, city corruption american french all this we have to clean our we have to we have to cleanse our people this was part of a population that was what they said it was population cleansing but then and it was another one of those situations where the the people who were actually killing people and often it was young people it was kids kids with with weapons it was it was just an it was just an unbelievable horrific Thing to be visited on this this beautiful innocent population. In the
1: first half, as you said, it, we focus more on Sydney and the American journalists and, and photographers, and then the second half is more Dith Pran and his ordeal and his eventual escape. So, what was the route? You, I think, that was a route that actually you had gone on uh, at some point. His how he got from uh, Cambodia into Thailand not the
0: exact same trip but yeah yes well I mentioned to you that I was a frugal traveler and I knew how to be a frugal traveler and that's what allowed me to stay alive making my little my little freelance earnings in 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 Asia for two years is that I I knew how to be frugal and. I had gone to, from, Bangkok, from Phnom Penh to Bangkok because I had checks from San Francisco Chronicle and from the United uh, Feature Syndicate to cash. And so I went to Bangkok, cashed the checks, and then I, and in Bangkok, um, we, where I also worked, I met this wonderful guy whose name is Leon Daniel. And he is a very, well, when I was at UPI in Atlanta, Leon was already over in Southeast Asia. He was an Alabama boy. He had been a Marine. He was a super rugged cor- war correspondent. He was just an amazing person, and and he, so he was a very famous guy when I was still, you know, just a reporter for UPI in Atlanta. But when I went to Bangkok, I looked him up, and he was so generous and gracious. He allowed me to uh, work out of the UPI office in Bangkok. It was at the Raffles Hotel. Oh no, he wasn't. Where was he? Um, that was another that was another upi thing at the raffles hotel <laughs> he uh, he allowed me to work out of the the upi office in bangkok and he was wonderful and and he introduced me to a woman whose name was suwani because i've been thinking about this emmy i'm i'm remembering some of these names it took me about a week to remember this woman's <laughs> name but he entered, he introduced me to this woman suwani now here's a story that i know i've told you before and and so i stayed with her they used to in eat, Bangkok, when I learned right? to, in still- Bangkok and that's where I I learned to eat that thai, that hot super hot Thai food and so they had said to me oh you're you're the only american we ever who could eat with us <laughs> and and so and so one day i came back and there was a, a pot of a food on the stove and i ate it, and i couldn't i couldn't do it it was it was, it was too hot and so when when Suwani came home i said to her you know I couldn't I couldn't eat that. It was too hot. And she laughed. She said it was too hot for us too.
1: <laughs>
0: but anyway, Suwani said, "Well, I said, well, you know I kind of hate to the the airfare from Bangkok to Phnom Penh had had spiked. And I really hated to spend my hard-earned checks on on an airfare." So Suwani said, "Well, you know, you can go there by land." I said, "Well, how do I do that?" So she she found a truck driver, and she wrote a note. This truck driver did not speak a word of English. She wrote a note for him for me to give to the truck driver of what he should do and where he should take me. She knew where he was going. So I think he was going He was going up to northern Thailand, and there was a crossing area, a natural crossing area, where he was going where I could get a... A, a car that vans would go then across from the border of Thailand over to Phnom Penh. And so I got a free ride in a truck up to uh, the border of this this border town, Cambodia, Thailand. And I stayed in a little, it was kind of like a, a Northern Thai B&B, Airbnb. It was, I think I slept in a hammock on a porch but the weather was nice. Everything was fine. And so the next day I got a ride in a, in a it was a, a van. It must have been a van because there were at least, there were at least 12 people in that van going from the border of Thailand into Phnom Penh. There were at least 12 of us and they were all men. <laughs> I was the only woman in the van. But that's, I actually made that route. And my sense of where it from the from the film where he crossed it was more mountainous than I was. I may have been to the south of where he was or or that was not accurate depiction in the movies there were there were mountains in that you know northern Cambodia and Thailand area, but where I crossed i just didn't I remembered hills, but I didn't remember mountains that were as as tall as they were in the in the film, so there was a whole thing that I learned. About you had to have an exit visa to leave uh, Cambodia at that time, and I had not gotten an exit visa. And so I had then I had come in strangely by by land. And so this guy, I think his name was Chang Song, if I remember correctly, actually he he was somebody who a couple of years, I mean, after I got back to New York, he actually visited New York, and I saw him once in New York. But he had some kind of official job in Phnom Penh, and so he said, well, I had not had the proper re-entry paper to come back into Cambodia, and so he said, well, let's look at it this way. You did not get the proper exit visa, so you did not get the proper entry visa, so you didn't go. (laughs) Okay, there's that. I I just just skated through that. You didn't leave right, you didn't come back right, so let's just scratch this whole trip. And (laughs) that was kind of emblematic of of my experiences on the road. Yeah, yeah, you often were very
1: lucky in situations like that. Did you see this film when it first came out? I believe I did. And do you remember, because the movie came out less, you know, maybe 10 years after the whole thing had happened or
0: less. Right, Um, right. So this was still fresh memory. Yes. Well, to begin with, I was totally up on the story because I was a New York Times reader, and so I was totally aware of when when Pran was, was returned. Because, you know, the name of the book was The Death and Life of Diff Pran. Dith Pran came back to New York and became a uh, New York Times photographer. He worked for the Times until he, you know, I think he got lung cancer and died, but but he um, but he came back to work for the New York Times. So I was totally up on everything that had happened. And Sidney Shanberg had become a, a columnist and he had gotten in a lot of trouble. He... he Sydney really had an, had an edge, I'll tell you. He had gotten a lot of trouble with the real estate industry in New York, and there was a whole thing that came down with the West Side Highway that was happening, that all kinds of stuff that that, were, that was going on the real estate, and he he uh, he got himself in trouble, and I don't know if he got if he got fired from the Times or he left. Who or he left, but he got in trouble with Abe Rosenthal, who was the managing editor. So I I was familiar with all of that stuff. So when the book came out, and when then when Dith Pran came back to New York, I was just up on that. So I had a sense of, and and by then we knew what had happened to the Cambodians. We were you know we we were aware of of the of the killing fields, and we were aware of the there were vast. Numbers of of Cambodians who who had fled into the Thai refugee camps. So that was an immigration issue. I understand that about 170,000 Cambodians were resettled into the United States. 40 or 50,000 went down to Australia. Fair number went to France. But if you look at the population of Cambodia now, it's young people. It's like oh, it's like all the old people got killed, and the the population of of Cambodia is like 70% is you know under the age of 18. And so maybe we should say specifically
1: what what they are referring to from the title The Killing Fields.
0: That's not okay. that is a specific thing okay okay in the in the film, probably the most shocking and horrific uh, scene in the film is when Dith Pran and the actor uh, Hang your, is making his escape he's getting help from this uh, this Khmer Rouge officer who is concerned that they know that he's got French influence and he actually gives his little son to to Dith pran to, to to try to flee and gives him a map and tells him which way to go how to head out there toward Thailand and and, and to escape um, but on his way he crosses into fields that are simply filled with uh, the bones of dead people those were the killing fields um the 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 cambodians were they were shot they were stabbed they were starved that's i mean at some point it was easier to stab people who, who were weak because they didn't want to waste the ammunition on shooting them but they were but but they were they were just thrown into into mass graves and those were the killing fields. They're they're shown in the film. It's powerful. It's it's a very powerful scene. It is because I mean
1: it is for a number of reasons, but I feel like one of the reasons is his reaction. It's like it's one thing to know what's going on and to even be yeah. a part of it. But then to see something yeah. like that, the look on his face it's it's, well, it's like well, a true realization,
0: right? It, it's exactly because, well, again, nobody really could imagine that that was going to happen. That the extent of it, and the Americans had long since walked away from all of that. All the Europeans had walked away from that. They said, okay, um, and that's. I mean, that's the tragedy of it is that is that it just it was just allowed. It was just allowed to happen.
1: And so, how long Sydney left in? What year did Sydney and Al Rockoff, uh, and all those guys, De- Dennis Cameron, did they 75, all? Seventy-five, wasn't it? They all left in seventy-five. Yeah. And so, it was another year before. Yeah. He spent a year trying
0: to find Dith
1: Prime because he didn't know where he well, was. Well, you know,
0: he maybe Sydney left in seventy-three. Um, I'm trying to think because they talk about. They, i guess i guess uh um yeah, or maybe it was seventy five it, it, it's it's a little it's a little hazy <laughs> that's the year i you were born yeah. um the, it seems like um pran was a captive or was was Trying to survive and was trying to get out for four years. He was gone for four years and he got out in 79. So it had to have been from 75 to 79. And so Sydney and Rockoff and Dennis and all those guys must have been there right up until the end to 75.
1: Okay, okay. And so, and Sydney won the Pulitzer in 76. Okay. Yeah. So he must have left earlier. He had to maybe leave in 74 because he, he... Well, he
0: won the Pulitzer for work that he did in 75, I'm assuming. Right, right,
1: right. right. Um, and did you... What did you think of that scene after he won the Pulitzer and Rockoff... He he sort of goes off on him.
0: I wondered if that was... Um, I wondered if that was apocryphal or if that... I, I Because I didn't read his book. I know that... Um, I know that Sydney could be sort of high-handed in things, and and maybe Sydney was a selfish guy who who should have said to prawn, "You got to go." I mean, thinking it over again, I mean, who knows what? But obviously, Rockoff and Dennis Cameron both felt like Sydney was. Uh, that Sydney should have taken more action, should have sent Pran off with his wife, and 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 should have anticipated that. I I felt like Pran Pran made his decision on that. I I don't I don't I don't blame Sydney. I don't blame Sydney for that. But Sydney obviously felt a tremendous amount of guilt for the suffering. And what a joyous! I mean, that's the wonderful thing about this film is this joyous reunion. Of these two men and what they went through, I mean, to me it's just that was just a wonderful uh, ending that, that, that made it all. And, and the film really was was beautifully made. It really it really was it's an important film. It's a serious film because you know it really happened. but I think it was a beautifully made film.:
1: I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and a surprising film for a first time director. I mean, that was actually the
0: first movie he made. Really? Yeah. But wasn't Chris Mangus the photographer? Hadn't he, hadn't he been around for a while? Yeah, but the director was new. You know,
1: it's interesting. I, I had initially wanted to do this with a, as a companion piece to uh, the movie Swimming, Swimming to Cambodia. Uh, Spalding Gray, who has a, a role in this movie, went on to do a documentary Called Swimming to Cambodia, and it was about his experience making the movie. You saw that film,
0: correct? I-, I did, and honestly, I saw some snippets of it recently. It was a spalding gray rant. I'm sorry. It, 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 I don't think he sheds any light on anything. He had a minor role in the Killing Fields. He played the, I think he was the American consul general, right? Yeah, he played an American, somebody from the American consulate, but. But the swimming to Cambodia was it was it was a very personal, highly personal Spalding Gray rant, in my opinion. One movie that I would recommend, if anybody really wants to, to 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 look at at life in in Southeast Asia, at that time, is the the film with Catherine Deneuve called Indochine. Yes, that's that, a great movie. Uh, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful uh, evocative movie. That really, you really get the sense of what was going on in Vietnam. And as I started to say at the, earlier on, we were talking. There was sort of a pecking order. Of it was sort of a pecking order among the countries of, of of Indochina, and Vietnam was on top of that pecking order, and and Cambodia was kind of next, and then Laos, which became my favorite country. I love Vientiane. Um, Laos was kind of the backwater. It was all very strategic because. It was to the west of those of Indochina was the area that was called the Golden Triangle. Are you familiar with that? I've heard of it. I well, don't the know the Golden exactly Triangle what it is. is where is where Laos, Cambodia, and and Burma, which is now is no longer called Burma, it's called Myanmar, um, come together, and this is where all the opium was being grown this was the center of opium trade and so when you get into the history of what happened in vietnam a lot of people who say hey the the, the, the cia financed its 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 operations with with uh, with opium trade so there was there were opium and heroin were were a big part of that whole golden triangle thing and so it put countries that where there were agrarian simple you know, farming people who just want to raise some rice and 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 do some fishing and and grow some vegetables and raise their families in these small villages, it put them all under this tremendous um, danger. But and I anyway. will say,
1: I will say that uh, another movie, it's a little bit more um, fictionalized, but uh, a lot more fictionalized. But it's also, I think. You know, a good movie to see if you're interested in this time period in this in this part of the world is *The Year of Living Dangerously*. And are we going to talk about that next? Well, well, we don't have to go into a de- we're not going to go into a deep dive, but yeah. but, <laughs> but 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 it is a great movie, and it does. Cover a similar time period, and it
0: centers centers around journalists too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think it, it it would the Killing Fields and the Year of Living Dangerously would be, be a very interesting uh, double feature for anyone <laughs> if they want to if they can do that to themselves. It might be a bit uh, masochistic, but
0: well, you know. In closing, here I Emmy, mean, I have to say that I mean you and I both are sheltering in place during a pandemic, and to be asked to watch the killing fields kind of <laughs> kind of put me into a sad state for several days because i because i started thinking about about Asia, about Vietnam, about Cambodia, about those people I had known and who had helped me, who are now gone from this world, and it sort of really put me into a state. <laughs> but uh, it's a beautiful sunny day in New York right now, and I am going to, I'm going to take the dog down to the river and give her a nice long walk. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully. You <laughs> I hope this. I hope this turns out okay. 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 All I right. love you, sweetie.
1: Love I you. love you, sweetie. Hi.
0: Take care. <laughs> bye, bye.
1: Thank you for listening to The Real Woman. Good night.